Ephesians 6, 10 to 19, the armour of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whatever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the Gospel. Thank you, Joe, for that reading. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to St Saviour's. My name is Ian and I'm a member of the church here. Today I've been asked to preach on part four of our current Keys to Faith series. Our theme for this week is titled How to Keep Standing. This is from our piece of scripture of Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 19, read twice today by my wife Jo. As I was praying in what I felt God wanted to say to us all today, I felt him guide me to the following statement. Let us learn to stand firm until Jesus returns. Let us learn to stand firm until Jesus returns. And from this statement, I'd like to look at all the pieces from the armour of God and how it applies to us all in our lives today and in our daily walk with the Lord. But first of all, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you, Lord, that you know the details of our lives and you love us deeply. I just pray that your Holy Spirit will come and minister to people today and people walk out this place changed. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. So when you think of armour, what sort of things come to mind? Perhaps a medieval knight or a riot police officer? Today I'll be looking at the armour of God from our reading of Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 19. This letter is written by the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, who were from the church of Ephesus. At this point, Paul was writing this letter whilst chained up in prison, which was for proclaiming his faith in Jesus as the Son of God. But Paul's hope in writing this letter was not only to strengthen the faith of the believers in the church of Ephesus, but also strengthen other believers' faith in other churches around the world. This was done by Paul in letter form, primarily because he couldn't visit the other churches in person due to him being in prison for his faith in Christ. 
Let's take some time now to imagine how it must have felt to be Paul at that precise moment. Being imprisoned in those days can't have been easy for Paul, or anyone else for that matter. What sort of things did he face there on a daily basis? The floor was cold, hard and uncomfortable. He had lack of sleep. It was dark and it was dingy. It was smelly, it was cold. He was hungry and thirsty, not knowing when he would get food and drink again. His body's movement was limited due to him being chained up in one place. Those chains would have caused part of his skin to be sore and painful, being verbally abused by other inmates. Not a great place for him to be or for anyone to be. But despite this, Paul writes an amazing, faith-filled letter to other believers around the world, even while being chained up in prison. Chains, I believe, were not just physical chains, but mental chains too. Chains trying to stop him from sharing the good news of Jesus, trying to dull down his fiery faith in his Lord and his Saviour. By placing doubt and unbelief in his mind about sharing this faith, faith that got him imprisoned in the first place. But after reading Paul's letter today, we can see that isn't what happened. His faith in Jesus had the final word. Paul stood firm in his faith in Christ despite his current circumstances. So how did he do it? How do we do it as Christians in the world we live in today? In the trials and tribulations that we face? Who are we standing firm against? Who was Paul's enemy? Who is our enemy? Let's start to explore all these questions. I believe it is so important to not only understand but to continue to utilise the armour of God that we have all been blessed with from the Lord. This is when and only when we put our faith and our trust in him. This going hand in hand with knowing our enemy and how to stand firm against him, all guided by God's Holy Spirit that lives within us. Let us first look at the armour of God in more detail. This is to gain the required knowledge of it so that we can be prepared to stand firm in times of trial. To stand firm in our faith in Jesus against his enemy, against our enemy, against everyone's enemy, the devil. This is until eternal victory is won in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us learn to stand firm until Jesus returns. Okay, so the six pieces of armour of God that we'll be looking at are follows. So number one, the belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Number three, footwear for the feet fitted in readiness to share the gospel of peace. Number four, the shield of faith. Number five, the helmet of salvation. And number six, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So number one, the belt of truth. The belt of truth is the first piece of God's armour that is mentioned in today's scripture. The fact that the belt is of truth is so important, especially in a world that we live in today. A world that seems so full of lies at times. But what does the word truth mean to you? Would you agree that there can only be one truth? 
And if there can only be one truth, would you also agree that to counteract that one truth, that there can be many, many lies? In John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. At the end of John 8, verse 44, it finishes with Jesus himself saying, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So who is Jesus referring to here? Jesus here is referring to a very real spiritual eternal enemy called the devil. His sole objective since the beginning of creation is to not only ruin God's perfect creation, but to also ruin our relationship with God, which is the pinnacle of his creation. So number two, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate part of the body armour in the physical realm is to protect the vital organs in battle, especially the heart. But the armour of God's breastplate is of righteousness. So what does this all mean for our second piece of body armour? Our enemy, the devil, also goes by the name of Satan. In the Hebrew language, it means accuser or adversary. Satan often attacks our hearts, which is the seat of our emotions, our self-worth and our trust. God's breastplate of righteousness protects our hearts. How does it do this? This is because that in and of ourselves, as it says in Romans 3 verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. And in Romans 3 verse 23, it says that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. God is the only one who is perfect. God is the only one who is holy and pure. God is the only one who is whole, complete and righteous. God is the only one who can guard our hearts with his righteousness. This happens to anyone who puts their faith, hope and trust in the one and only, the only one that has come from God and is God in the flesh, Jesus, the Son of God. So when we enter into a relationship with him, our hearts are clothed, protected and covered by his righteousness. A righteousness that is assigned to us by us, accepting him into our hearts and our lives. By his grace and forgiveness for us, through faith and belief in him. Number three, the footwear for feet fitted in readiness to share the gospel of peace. So what does this mean? It's when we know that we are saved from sin by the blood of Jesus. When Jesus is Lord of our life and brings us out of our darkness and into his light. When we experience the awesome, amazing, majestic love of God, nothing else comes close. Nothing else gives us more meaning to our, our lives, to know our Redeemer, our Saviour, and our God. That love, that grace, the undeserved, unearned love and grace that only comes from God through his Son, Jesus Christ. So what does it mean for us to have our feet fitted in readiness to share this gospel of peace? It is to share this good news of the gospel to the world. That we were created by an all-loving, all-powerful, perfect, holy, very real God. That this life is not all that there is. And that when you die, it isn't the end. 
that we are all unique and special. That we have a hope and a purpose for this life and the next. That the current trouble of this world is nothing in comparison to the joy we will have in the next. The readiness to share this good news to the world is part of God's plan for the redemption of his creation. To the redemption of us. To make us right with him through Jesus and only through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Son of God. So the readiness is being ready to share this good news in the broken world we live in today. But how do we do this? It's about being so full of God's Holy Spirit that all you want to do is give it out to others so they can experience the same thing as you. This joy, this peace, this contentment that only comes from God can be then shared with others. It's about making God your number one priority. It's about spending time with him in prayer. It's about making the time for him. It's about spending time in his word. It's about being filled with his Holy Spirit. It's about praising him and worshipping him. It's about loving him. But we know all this, right? We all know what we should do and what we want to do. So why do we sometimes find it hard to do these things? Because of the enemy of our souls, the devil, he will stop at nothing to deceive, distract and destroy us and God's creation. So even though we might have feet fitted with the readiness to share this good news of Jesus, our feet still need protection. Our body armour needs to include our feet as well. What do I mean by this and why? This is to protect us from the traps and obstacles that Satan puts in our path for the purpose of trying to stop the kingdom of God from advancing, from the kingdom of light reclaiming its territory back from the kingdom of darkness. So what sort of traps can we expect to be thrown our way in an effort to stop our ready feet in spreading the good news of Jesus? This by going into the world and preaching the gospel to all creation, as it says in Mark 16, verse 15. His main tactics are to deceive and distract us. The main way this happens is that Satan wants us to think that telling others the good news of salvation in Jesus is a worthless and hopeless task, that the size of the task is too big and that the negative responses are too much to handle. He uses fear, doubt and discouragement to stop us sharing our faith. But the footwear that God gives us is the motivation to continue to proclaim the true peace that is available in God, the good news that everyone needs to hear. Today, it's never been so easy to share the gospel with the sort of technology we have at our fingertips. Maybe we can use this technology to bring people's attention to God by being bold and sharing a status up, <coughs> excuse me, by sharing a status update, glorifying God. Or sharing your testimony on how Jesus has changed your life. Or if you're not techie, leaving a leaflet on a bus or a train which someone could read and hear about the gospel. Or asking God to help you talk to someone about your faith in Jesus. So number four, shield of faith. I don't know how many of you have seen the 99... 99, not 99, 1991 film Robin Hood starring Kevin Costner who plays Robin Hood. 
Most of you might remember this film for its well-known soundtrack, Everything I Do, I Do It For You, song by Brian Adams. The reason I mention this is to do with the front cover of the film. On the front cover, it shows Robin Hood staring down his last flaming arrow. The string of his bow is pulled, extremely tight, ready to fire. In Ephesians 6, verse 16, it says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You can now see why I mentioned Robin Hood and his fiery arrow. So if you had a fiery arrow being shot at you, don't you agree that a shield would be a good thing to have on you, to protect you from attack? The shield I'm talking about is not a small shield like a film Gladiator or Spartacus. I'm talking about a massive shield that gives us full head-to-toe protection from these flaming arrows. A shield like the riot police use for protection. So we know our shield is the shield of faith, and the flaming arrows of attack aren't from Robin Hood, it's from the evil one, which we know is our enemy, the devil. He is not just the enemy of us as Christians, he is the enemy of every single person in the whole of humanity. This going all the way back to the first man and woman that God created, Adam and Eve. What fiery arrows have been thrown at you in your life, whether you would class yourself a Christian or not? Is it low self-esteem? Is it rejection? Addiction? Anxiety? Depression? Abandonment? Lust? Insomnia? Pain? Unforgiveness, anger, lonely, doubt, or hopelessness. And the list goes on. If we are all honest with ourselves, Christian or not, we all struggle with something on this list to a greater or lesser degree. The difference is for us who put our trust in Christ, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. As it says in Hebrews 12 verse 2, this faith in Jesus acts as a shield against all the enemy's fiery arrows. Number five, the helmet of salvation. So what is the helmet of salvation? When we think of a helmet, the first thing that comes to mind is that it's there to protect our head and our brain. That there are so many different reasons why people would need and want to wear a helmet. A few sports come to my mind when I think of helmets. Sports such as horse riding, cycling, motor racing, rock climbing, kayaking, bobsleighing, all with a purpose of protecting our heads from injury. So, if we want our head to be protected, we must actively choose to put on this protection for our head. This is the same for the helmet of salvation. In Acts 4, verse 12, it clearly states that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. In Romans 10, verse 9 to 10, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. There is only one way to be saved, Jesus. There is only one way to heaven, Jesus. There is only one truth, Jesus. Our, head need, uh, our heads need protecting as our head 
is a seat of our mind. Our minds, our thinking, our choices, our focus and what we focus on resides here. When it comes to the helmet of salvation, it is an active, chosen protection by us to put on. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Satan wants to make us doubt God, Jesus, and our salvation. The helmet protects our minds and from doubting God's saving work for us as well as not receiving false doctrines or temptations that the enemy throws our way. And number six, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is our last piece from the armour of God. But out of all these pieces of body armour, the sword of the Spirit is the only offensive weapon out of them all. It says in verse 17 that we are to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The word of God is a spiritual weapon. For the Christian, it is our spiritual weapon. It is our spiritual weapon because it was our Lord's spiritual weapon against his enemy, against our enemy, the devil. We know this is the case when we read from the book of Matthew chapter 4. This is after Jesus was baptised by John the Baptist and was filled with the Holy Spirit sent from his heavenly Father. Jesus was then led by the same Holy Spirit into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights of testing by the devil. Every time Satan tempted Jesus, Jesus overcame those temptations in victory by speaking the word of God back to him with authority. The word of God was always his overpowering response to Satan, to his lies and temptations, and it should be our response to Satan too. God's word is truth. God's word is power. God's word has authority. In verse 18, we are told to pray in the Spirit in addition to wearing the full armour of God. We cannot neglect prayer. Prayer is how we actively draw spiritual strength from God to stand firm against our enemy. Without prayer, without reliance upon God, our efforts at spiritual warfare are empty and futile. So here is the full armour of God in summary that we have looked at this morning. Truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. Prayer are the tools that God gives us through which we can be spiritually victorious, overcoming Satan's attacks and temptations. Prayer binds all these pieces of God's armour together for us and for each other. Let's look out for each other. Let's pray for each other. Let's strengthen one another. And let's encourage one another. Let's make sure we're always ready for the battle and wearing our heavenly body armour, individually and together as a church. So in closing, how does this all apply to our statement for today? Let's learn to stand firm until Jesus returns. How does this statement tie in with all that we have learnt today? As it says in Ephesians 6 verse 12, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual fortresses in the heavenly realms.
However dark things get, there is always light. However hopeless things feel, there is always hope. However weak you feel, there is always strength. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know what has happened to you in your life in the past. I don't know what will happen in your life in the future. But God does. Nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing is out of God's control. The world is God's world. The creation is his creation. We are his creation. The Son of God came down from his heavenly glory to willingly, lovingly, and sacrificially die on a cross to save us all and his creation from ourselves and the devil. Jesus died and rose again to life three days later. He then ascended back to his heavenly glory where he's waiting in heaven at the right hand of God the Father until he comes again. As you know, our dear Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, recently died and is now in glory with the Lord Jesus and reunited with her husband, Prince Philip. On the many documentaries that have recently televised following the Queen's death, it's been shared with the whole world of the life of this extraordinary woman of faith. The highs and the lows. Even in recent times before she died. I remember her last Christmas speech. She shared how that in all the storms of her life, her faith in Christ is what kept her going. Her faith in Jesus allowed her to stand firm in times of trial and tribulation. It gave her a peace that passes all understanding to know that her beloved Philip is safe with the Lord until they are reunited on heaven's dance floor. In life, we just don't know what is round the corner. For the Queen, the last picture of her alive only recently was her shaking the hand of our new Prime Minister, Liz Trust at Balmoral. At that point, when the photo was taken, the Queen didn't know that her time was soon to be up, that she was finally going to meet her Lord and her Saviour that work on earth was done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, the queen was a queen, ordained by God for his purposes and his glory. But first and foremost, she is a child of God. She is Elizabeth, his precious daughter. A daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. She knew him as her personal Lord and Saviour. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour? This is a hope that us as Christians have. It is the eternal blessed hope we have in Jesus. That when we breathe our last breath, we know with complete certainty that like our beloved Queen, that when our time is up here on earth, that in the twinkling of an eye, we will instantly be with the Lord Jesus for all of eternity. A hope that can't be topped. A hope that can't be touched. I hope that can't be matched by anything. If I can invite the band up now, please, that would be great. Thank you. God is real. God is not concealed. God is revealed to us in the person of Jesus. A person who is fully God and fully man. A person who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He was born into this world like us as a baby. But he was the only baby who grew up as a 33-year-old man, a man who knew no sin and didn't ever sin. He was sinless. He humbly died on the cross to set all of mankind and his creation free. 
at that moment when Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross, the devil was defeated, death was defeated, and Jesus was victorious. His birth, death, and resurrection were prophesied for many years before these things even came into being. There is a final prophecy that is to come and can be fulfilled at any moment. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ when stellar believers rising to be with the Lord in heaven like others who have died in Christ already. Instead, Jesus will descend down from heaven to earth to finally complete his plan of redemption for us and his creation. Heaven and earth will become one again. Us and God will become one again. Love and light and peace and joy will be ours forever and ever and ever. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more devil. Nothing can compare with the Lord Jesus and his level. This life is just the beginning. Never give up. Focus on Jesus and always look up. Let us put on our armour and continue to learn. Let us learn to stand firm until Jesus returns. Amen.